Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we love or leave. Love it or list it? No, no. Oh, sorry. Sorry, take that out. We'd have to pay money for that. Movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago this month. Looking at Tom Cruise vehicle. We're back into the world of cruise. We're on cruise control. Yeah, if anyone wants to know some of our feelings about Tom Cruise, you should return to our episode about Rain Man from our last Going on 30 cycle. Born on the 4th of July. I wanted to be a good American. I wanted to serve my country. I couldn't wait to fight my first war. We got him! We got him! Oh, get out! That's the word, go for. Daddy, the soldier! Every horse has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Your brother's a hard worker, Tommy. Win or lose, school, sports, life. As long as you do your best. That's what matters to God. First off, young men, let's get one thing straight. There is nothing prouder as a United States Marine. Our dad's got to go to WW2. This is our chance to do something. You should think about what you're doing. You could get yourself killed. Did you ever think about that? Help me to make the right decision. Sometimes I just like to stay here and never leave. But I gotta go. 13,000 miles. It's a long way to go to fight a war. Don't you know what it means to me to be a Marine, Dad? Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted this. I wanted to serve my country. I want to go to Vietnam. I'll die there if I have to. There's something happening here. You gotta try instead of us, okay? You hear me? Chicago has an Alice in Wonderland quality about it. Things are getting curiouser and curiouser. Come on, get up there, get up there. Keep going, keep going, come on. I have a brief description of this movie. But okay. So, would you like to hear it? <laughs> I would love to hear it. Born on the 4th of July is the biography of Ron Kovic, played by Tom Cruise, who is paralyzed in the Vietnam War, then becomes an anti-war and pro-human rights political activist after feeling betrayed by the country he fought for. That's pretty good. I think you have to include that he was so over the top on board. At the beginning, like, you know, oh, boy yes. who wants this. So the well, real we'll, yeah, change we'll get of character. That, okay. like, whole that's a pretty good synopsis. That's pretty good. Well, before we get into all that, what's your history with Born on Fourth of July? I believe I saw this in the movie theater, Greg. No I kidding. If I was, I think, what? Well, is it R? Is it R? Oh, yeah. Hard R. There's okay. like 289 okay, so maybe, F-words. Okay. Right. So... <laughs> Maybe not. I was 15. But I do remember. I, I saw it. I saw it. I had the yeah. soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. Like, yeah. You know, while my parents loved, like, their soundtrack they loved was the Big Chill. I think mm-hmm. as a child of baby boomers, 
you end up falling some in love with their music, right? It's like, oh, you know, we we love, you know, we're tied to t-shirts and love Led Zeppelin. And my parents were not hippies by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I re- distinctly remember that the flag overlay with Cruz in the army helmet on the cover of the soundtrack, every time the score came on, knew uh-huh. it. Every time the music came on, knew it. I was having a whole music flashback throughout my rewatch on this. Does the soundtrack have the John Williams yes. score on it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, it does. Interesting. And so I was I was 15. I was moody. You know, right. I, I, I loved a good soundtrack. I loved the Jurassic Park soundtrack. Super nerdy. Totally into it. And I can remember, like, if I was reading books, like Red Badge of Courage, like, while I was listening to things, like, so uh-huh. George Winston, Red Badge of Courage, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. Um, How about you? So this was in the the cruise wing of our VHS library. Right. Right. Uh, so if you, <laughs> the House of Cruise. Harken back to our Rain Man episode. Yeah. But this was one on on frequent rotation in my grown up uh, movie teen phase. You know, it's like really? this like, Rain Man. Watch. This was not a rewatch for me. I think I might have watched it once. Oh no! Yeah, I've watched it several times. Really? Oh yeah, several times. Yeah, just stressing. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's stressing. I'm sure we'll get into that, but it's a little, a little much. Well, you know, it's a young, you know, wannabe like theater kid. Right. Like Tom Cruise was going play. He's making choices in this. That's you know, choices. that's fun. He's that's getting fun his method. He's getting his method actor on. <laughs> You know, he's taken the hair down several notches from Rain Man, several <laughs> notches down. But then it goes long, and then that becomes a problem. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Ugh. It's a little stringy. Yeah, it gets Ugh. a little stringy. Oh, um, all the hair work. No hair work. No hair and makeup getting nominated for this movie. Please say no. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, it has to be accurate to the source, too, right? I think Ron, Ron had the stringy, you know, kind of hair. Ron um, looks much better now. I'm just yes, Ron looks great now. Uh, what are your uh, initial hot takes on this movie? It's one of those movies that definitely feels like a book ad- adaptation, uh, mostly okay. at the beginning. Like, really, kind of, let's set the scene. Let's 1950s mm-hmm. the hell out of this. You know, mm-hmm. every trope that you could possibly find in 1950s Long Island present in this little town. Uh, I think for me. I d- again found the movie really hard in mm-hmm. places. I think particularly around Ron's family and his parents and that whole scene where he comes home drunk, I think was like one of the hardest things to watch. I rem- And I remember knowing that it was really troubling and I couldn't exactly remember why. And then when we got into the whole catheter stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know, now watching it as an adult and as a parent, it's it's it landed differently than okay. than Ron. You know, I, I was at that time, you know, my dad went to was in Vietnam, was on two tours, was a was a, a ROTC guy in college. So mm-hmm. it was a bit, you know, signed up for this and went on his first tour and liked it well enough that he was gonna be career army and yeah. then got married, went back and it was not, it was, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Like poor decisions being made on the ground, people being promoted, shouldn't be promoted, you know, and he'll talk about all that. But, you know, I had my dad's Vietnam hat, like his mm-hmm. little kind of like 
uh, army green with his Carmody across the back and, and was fascinated some by that because it was an experience he didn't talk about. He would talk about it with strangers. He would come mm-hmm. and talk about it at my high school later on, but that he wouldn't really talk about it um, in front of others, in front of us. Like it was not something that he referred to. Right. You know, my mom would share a time when he had a flashback in a hotel mm-hmm. uh, and those, those things were really visceral. The, the, when he would kind of space out and have those PTSD moments, which we now know as PTSD, that word I don't think was even used in this movie, right? No, like or maybe shell shock, maybe right, maybe that, right? Or, or even talking about Asian Orange or any of that stuff, Asian yeah. Orange. But yeah, he the helicopter passed over the hotel in the night, and he got on the floor, yeah. sweating and breathing fast. But Stone just directs in this way that Oliver Stone directs. So many facial close-ups. I couldn't handle it after a certain point. Like It was just, we're zoomed right in. We are right on Kira Cedric's face. We are right in on his face. We're right in on mom's face and dad's face. And people are losing their minds. And they're, yeah. they're super emotive. But the, the framing was so tight that it really, the frenetic chaos that I think he was able to communicate with that, I had not picked up on that before. Just how chaotic the 60s felt. I didn't feel it as much in his shots from the 50s. But as we moved into that time, just facial close-ups and really tight and lots of emotion. And it was it was it was rough. It feels like a series of memories more than actual events. Like everything has an unreal kind of blurry quality Mm -hmm. rather than a stark reality. Like all of the 50s, like you know, sock hop stuff felt like a, like, you know, wistful, you know, it was like, heightened. Yeah. It was all too perfect. I'm going to run out in the rain and dance with a girl I love. And I'm going to moon river. Yeah. yeah, Like all of that stuff felt like how you would remember something and it wouldn't, it's not an accurate memory, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. It's not dreamlike it's memory. Like, you know, in, in contrast, though, the Vietnam stuff feels very visceral and very stark and very real. And then the stuff that comes after it, uh, the post-war um, part of the film, sort of harkens back to that kind of, especially the Mexico scenes, feel very blurry and very, like, a lot of non-sequiturs. And nothing really goes naturally into the next thing. It just feels very herky-jerky, the way memories can sometimes, like... Mm-hmm you know, lead you down very different paths. I, I think that that's a filmmaking choice. And I think that that worked. It's just that, you know, this is a long movie. This is a oh long Lord. movie. Lord, I did pause it at one point and I was like, all right, am I staying up to watch the rest of this? And I was like halfway. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I don't oh know. no. <laughs> well, and, and you're put to your point on memory. I think often with Oliver Stone, it is hard to tell where, he and his subject are separated from one another. He tends to pick projects that are super personal, mm-hmm. or at least ones that he makes personal. Like he has a very specific point of view, uh, Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. And all of his movies, I think, fit into that. Well, and that he tends to pick big topics that then he's going to go back and rehash. Yeah. He's going to make a Trump movie, right? He did Nixon, he did W. 
like he's if he's gonna make another movie, it's gonna be a Trump movie. You I would, would think. Agree. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you because I wrote it in my notes. I'm not convinced. I haven't convinced myself that it's true though. And that's the the sort of downward spiral of hope for Ron in this movie. I feel like it works. Like the way that everything unravels in his life represents the fading of hope for him. And then the bottom is Mexico. The bottom could potentially be when he swallows the worm, right? Like that could be rock bottom for him. And like, I, I kept watching the VA scenes, which I, mm. you know, they stood out to me. So tough. I think the first times I watch it, but this time having had a little bit more experience, having worked in a spinal unit at a VA hospital as a chaplain, like you see things a little bit differently than maybe you did when you didn't have that experience. Similar to what you were talking about is like watching this without kids versus watching it being a parent. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he starts off that his treatment with such optimism and such sort of like, you know, the way that he would approach a mission of I'm going to go in here, I'm going to conquer this, I'm going to walk again, I'm going to walk out of here to have the setback like that's the first big break that shows that he's going to he's going to start to fall. Literal break. <laughs> Literal break. But sometimes that's how life is, right? Yeah. Like you 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 have optimism until something super bad happens and then all of a sudden the wheels start to come off. You know, and it's like you can't get back right again. Um, in poker, they call it being on tilt. It's like you just can't you can't get the money back. You just keep hemorrhaging, you know, hope and all of the all of the optimism goes away and it starts with something big and then it just keeps going, going, going. And well, it that, felt like that worked sometimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this movie. Well, and that it started in his physical body and yeah. then he comes home and then it's in his mental Right, because his family's not quite the same. His friends aren't quite the same. Everything's off. Right. Yeah. And he starts out being super pissed off that people are burning the flag and, you know, love it or leave it and all that kind of stuff. You know, well, you know, his brother doesn't want to tell him he's against the war. And, and, and that he's still on board so hardcore. You know, I serve my country and they just want to take from me. Just take, take, love it or leave it. That's what I think. Then the other side is angry. No, because we're not winning the war. How can we win in a situation like that? How can we win? Tommy, what's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. Anybody listen around here? Tommy. What? Tommy's going to fail English. He's going to start working on himself. He doesn't believe in the war. What? He thinks we're doing the wrong thing over there. He thinks it's all a mistake. A mistake? What is this? Uh, spit it out. You believe in demonstrators? Huh? I... What? No. You don't talk anymore? What, is this true? You don't think we're right? I just... I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with everything you're saying, okay? I don't think you understand. What does Tommy know? I don't understand. Know He's hanging around with those creepy long hairs who Come take on, drugs. Tom, that's, they that's, smoke not, pot. that's not the reason. What do they know? Have they ever worked What's for What's the reason, living? Tommy? You want to burn the flag? Huh, Tommy? What is it? You want to bring down this country? Love it or leave it, Tommy. You know, you could just love it or leave it. That then you then watch the trajectory of the leaving of that, of what what is now this new normal that he's living in. But that he has to go through a lot of drinking and a lot of poor choices and all these kinds of things to kind of find that again. And that it all becomes a mirror and parallel to how the country is viewing the Vietnam War and how how it is is disregarding its veterans and and all of that as well. 
seeing a bunch of vets down in Mexico, you know, that I didn't see how that was really a part of his transformation for justice either. It feels more like the advocacy in the hospital would have done more of that to really be a portrait of being forgotten. I think the Mexico scenes are important. I just, this time watching them, I wasn't really affected by them. Mm-hmm. It just felt like, oh my gosh, we got to get through Mexico now. It's like, <laughs> it's just a lot. And and I think that I kind of had this feeling of hoping that Willem Dafoe was going to like pump some energy back into the movie. And I just don't think he did. Really, it was interesting so, seeing two two actors from our previous series, yeah, <laughs> showing up playing very different people. You know, with Ron Kovic in this deep moral center, which was very different from Rain Man, and then mm-hmm. uh, Willem Dafoe, different between Mississippi Burning, and yeah, they're acting actors. But you know, they it's, it was interesting to watch them come come together again in this, yeah, or yeah. in this way. What is your best scene? I mean, probably the most disturbing. The fight with his mom. You can't this is what you believe in, isn't it, Mom? This is what you believe in, but I don't. I don't believe in him anymore. Go to bed, honey. Because he it's okay. only had to spend three days up there. Me, I got to spend the rest of my life. I wish I were dead like him. You don't know what you're saying. That's a problem, Mom. I'm not dead. I got to live. I got to live and I got to roll around. I got to remind him of Vietnam. He won't listen. He won't change. Ronnie, please. you got to take your mom seriously. You can't drink in this house. they told us. Go fight. Go kill. Sergeant man, rain car. Yes, go left. Go left. Go left. You know, it's all a lie. Ronnie. Why? Stop it. Go to bed. You sleep it off. What did they do to you in that war? What happened to you? You need help, Ronnie. You need uh, help. You need help. Tell them all. Tell Come them on, all honey. what they did to me. Honey, stop it. What they did to this whole block, this whole country. They're going to call the police we this time. We went to Vietnam to stop communism. We, sh- we shot women and children. You didn't shoot women and children. What do you say? What said the war? Communism, the insidious evil. They that's what they, they told, told us. us to go. That's, that's what they told us. Thou shalt not kill mom. Thou shalt not kill women and children. Oh, shall not kill, remember? Isn't that what you taught us? Isn't Stop that it. what they taught Stop us? Stop it! Stop it! I don't want you in this house. You're out of this house. Ron, come on now. You made your point. Now stop! No. There's no God. God is as dead as my legs. There's no God. There's no country. I found the truth that he really talked about in terms of... You know, the the faith and the bill of goods the faith you know, the bill of gold, goods he'd been sold both by the U.S. government by his parents by his faith and that all of it was just BS mm-hmm. and that it wasn't going to end up mattering in the long term because look at him who is going to love me that's the same with his dad right mm-hmm. it kind of closes off that that time you know who is going to love me and. It's a it's an experience that I've never I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah, you're really on the the deep level, but it was one of those moments where I'm like, well, Tom Cruise, you're doing a good job. I th- I thought it was excellent actually in that scene. I thought I agree with you. I think that that's probably the most powerful scene. It's funny there are quite a few times in this movie that he references like the loss of his genitals, his castration. And it it feels like that's the key loss for him as a character, as opposed to like 
the use of his legs. It's the loss of his genitals that makes him feel like less of a person. Yeah, there's something. a lot of genital focus. <laughs> yeah, lot of the film. But, but I, I, I mean, but, if if that if you've grown up with this, yeah. 50s mentality and and not a machismo mentality, but just a, you know, what, you know, his, he's in this house surrounded Roman Catholic family with a kajillion kids. Like I have no idea how many kids are in the Kovic family, five, Mm -hmm. six. And that is, you have a big family and you're able to take care of them. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what, that's what shows your worth. And what does it mean to be a man? Right. So like those scenes of him, at the parade as a boy and he tells his dad like look dad the soldiers and you can see that like that's about him sort of expressing like oh that's the ultimate in masculinity that's what it means to be a man um talking about his dad going to war and coming back his grandfather going to war and coming to back you know he he has the very specific idea of what m- masculinity is what manhood is and he can't be that anymore and it comes out in this moment. Oh, I'm trying to think of a word other than sad, but it's just so very sad in that moment. But and that he, even though, he, and he's he's angry too. It's it's like uh, it's so much. And I think that Tom Cruise does a great job of sort of embodying that feeling of like tremendous sadness, tremendous anger, sort of bound up. And who can you lash out at except the mom who's sort of planted this mantra in your head to begin with you know uh okay best performance i'm going cruise you're good you're just gonna go out and say it here's the thing about cruise like if he wants to i think he can give you a good performance i would cite this well portions of this i would cite as really good cruise uh, Eyes Wide Shut is really good cruise. Magnolia is really good cruise. Like he can he can do it. He just needs to put in the effort. And I feel like he really put in the effort. God, this, this is very difficult for me to say. We don't have to hear this, Ron. But Mr. Wilson, I think I was the one that killed your son that night. I was the one. I was the one. What's done is done, sir. I can't ever forgive you. But maybe the Lord can. I feel like his performance is so dominant that even just looking for another something to nominate is not really possible. Right? It's it's so, even in a movie that is so long, it's so centric on him. He does do a good job. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him, even though I the, have... This is, a, this is much improved from Rain Man. You have to admit. This oh. Much improved. Much improved. I got stats about the movie. Yeah, let's do it. Stats! Stats, 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 stats! I need, need a theme song. I need a stat theme song. Yes. Uh, stats about the movie. It opened on December 22nd, 1989. Christmas release. Go watch it with the whole family. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Everybody. 289 F words. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of M effort, too. Like, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah. Uh, you you got to mix it up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Domestic gross of $70 million. It was the number 22 grossing movie of 1989. Wow. Tom Cruise, man. Yeah. It's the number 1,176th top grossing movie of all time between a movie called Act of Valor. Feels like it would be of a piece <laughs> with mm-hmm. this. And uh, Seven Pounds. So it's between Active oh, Balance. Yeah, that movie. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's got an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. I, I guess so, yeah. Uh, it is number six on the movies of Tom Cruise list on Metacritic between Risky Business and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, Roger Ebert says. Nothing Cruz has done will prepare you for what he does in Born on the 4th of July. Four out of four stars. Four four stars! I saw that. I saw that. I think it was just sold on the Cruz performance. Well, I mean, there really isn't a lot of other room for other things. (laughs) In the same way that the camera, the framing is very tight, there's really not a lot of room for anyone other than Cruz. No Pauline Kale review for this mm. how did it do at the oscars it won two oscars betsy what two oscars could born on the fourth of july have possibly won okay i'm gonna go with and i can't remember whether this is i don't think we've divided the screenplay awards okay but if it was it would be adapted screenplay okay and then the other would be best director Okay, you got one out of two. One okay. out of two ain't bad. Okay, well, best we director, get... best okay. director Oliver Stone. Yep. Best film editing. Seriously? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find well, I don't know. I mean, there are some awards at the Oscars that feel like, oh, it's a battle scene, and that must be really tough. Yeah, so war movies. War editing. movies get a lot of editing awards. They do. Yeah, they yeah. Do. Nominated for five. Okay, so okay, all right. So I'm going to say then screenplay, uh huh, score, uh huh, best picture, and then well, the okay, yeah, okay, I, I guess let's just say nominated for six others. I didn't include best. Picture. Okay, so what's the full list? Uh, best actor Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, hmm. best sound, best score. John Williams. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of a lot of nominations. Lots. Why are you here tonight? What do you have to say to these people? My name is Rod Kovic. I'm a Vietnam veteran. My name is Rod Kovic. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I'm here tonight to say that this war is wrong. That this society lied to me. It lied to my brothers. Deceived the people in this country. Tricked them into going 13,000 miles to fight a war against the poor peasant people who have a proud history of resistance, who have been struggling for their own, for their own independence for 1,000 years, the Vietnamese people. I can't, I can't find the words to express how the leadership of this government sickens me. Now, people say, people say, if you don't love America, then get the hell out. Well, I love America. We love the people of America very much, but when it comes to the government, it stops right there. The government is a bunch of corrupt thieves, they are rapists and robbers, and we are here to say 
that we don't have to take it anymore. We are here to say, we are here to tell the truth. They are killing our brothers and peers. We want them to hear the truth tonight. We are here. What's the legacy of this movie? Uh, let's talk about war yeah. and heroism. Yeah, the cinematic processing of the Vietnam War. Yeah. So, Platoon, we talked about Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, Good Morning Vietnam. Um, There's a lot of processing that comes out of this movie, and that's not to also mention that MASH is running on TV, which, while ostensibly being about the Korean War, is a show about the Vietnam War. Yeah. So there's well, a lot of Vietnam processing going on. Well, and those movies start rolling out in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Right? I think like Deer Hunter and things like that. And then there is something as you talk about memory and as we get further down the road on support or lack of support of veterans. Mm-hmm. That, that, that the 80s movies, I think they feel a little different than the 70s Vietnam Vietnam movies. Mm-hmm. There's there's a different memory the way memory is working in those. And now and now we know, you know, this is when we have now on the on the mall at this, you know, and never forget Vietnam veterans are there. The the memorial opens. Mm-hmm. Uh you have Rolling Thunder happening. I mean there's a lot of that you know bring bringing home remains, bringing home people other people still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the outrage changes. Yeah, it feels like the Vietnam War movie is a very particular kind of movie, as opposed to what's going to come later. So, for instance, I'm thinking of like the Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom War movies, mm-hmm. or even Desert Storm movies, like Three okay. Kings, Hurt Locker, Hurt Locker, all of these things, Zero Dark Thirty, all of those feel very different from Vietnam movies. Yes. Vietnam movies feel like a fight for the soul, not only of the soldier, but also of the country. Mm-hmm. Whereas the later movies feel very mission oriented. feels like here's our objective. Let's meet our objective. We did it. And yet like the enduring freedom is the longest military operation war that we've ever had in our country's history, but there's not really an artistic legacy of that movie other than zero dark 30, which is about a very specific mission of killing Osama bin Laden. Well, we're also processing in, you know, our lifetime and the lifetime of the, of the boomer generation that the Vietnam war, you know, they, their parents were in world war two mm-hmm. and and that's a communal country war experience. And that's that's the model with which that we've had, we've experienced war, right? Uh, the, the New York Times just put out a story today, I think, and talked about as, as we're looking at potentially, you know, this peace agreement being signed with the Taliban, that the number of headlines over the course of wars from World War One mm-hmm. to Enduring Freedom just the decline yeah. in in headlines on the front page of, of the New York Times about that conflict. And mm-hmm. Vietnam was still in this place where even though a lot of the people who were going were were 
eventually people of color are poor, um, you know, all of you drafted, all these sorts of things. It was still coming to terms with the fact that you knew somebody, if you didn't go, you knew somebody who went. Yeah. And, and you knew somebody who died or somebody's cousin who died or something like that. There's still this, is it this something we're all going through together? Question mark. Like, that's what I feel like in this movie. Isn't this something that we all were experiencing together? Mm -hmm. But seeing how the rest of the world was ready to just roll on by it, much different than World War II. Right. It makes me wonder if, like, what World War II had were VE Day and VJ Day. Right. Korea didn't have that. Vietnam didn't have that. Even Desert Storm didn't have that. Like, I mean, you can look at markers along the way of, like, the top lane of Saddam Hussein's statue, um, you know, the very first, like, shock and awe maneuvers of Iraqi freedom. Like, you can look at certain things, but there's no, like, there's no victory, you know? And So it feels like, to me, with Vietnam, that this is a construction of a narrative. We want to right. construct what this is and how this was. And this is the story. Mm-hmm. And so because there isn't a national narrative, we then are given all these portraits of mm-hmm. different narratives. Well, it's, and I'm also wondering, like, is there a way of talking about this where it's like you didn't win? So that means you lost. You know, war is complicated. And it's not about winning and losing. But we really boil things down to winning or losing a lot of times about a lot of things. American essence. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So then how do I, how do I, how do I then tally my contribution and my sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. I will say my dad's, I'm not going to say that it is his favorite Vietnam movie because that would insinuate that he's watched it more than once. I don't think he has. He said the one that he found to be the most realistic and spoke to his experience was hamburger Hill. Okay. And for him. Um, Do you think there's a legacy that this movie exposes about the nature of divisive politics? How, because that's something that's very much a part of our world now, right? How did, how did you watch them getting dragged off of the floor of the convention in the Republican in 72? That had a very different feeling to me. Yes. Then especially in the, in the hunt for the 2020 election, yeah, my my, you know, how you experience the Republican Party and those Trump rallies now, just these guys. And I'm looking at these young men who are yeah. yelling at him. And yeah. I'm like, you're not Vietnam. Have you served? None of you have because you have, you know, bone spurs or a foot issue or whatever the hell it is that's kept you out. Mm-hmm. And and you weren't there. You don't know in your little styrofoam hat. Right. And that fa- that again, that head on that face, it made me mad. I was angry. Right, you're up in that young white male face. Yeah, like, you know that's very angry, wearing a stupid hat and yep. yelling obscenities. At four more right. years, four more years, and yeah. then you know yeah. you're on American. Get out of you're a communist. You know, the, you, right. you, the, if they even knew a smidge about Ron Kovic, they uh-huh. could never call him that. But that we call and we throw that stuff around and we do it now. Same right. Yep. Right. It's fascinating to me because, you know, I'm watching a I'm watching a film where people are yelling at each other about ideological disagreements. And it's like, you know, this could easily be Twitter 2020. Sure. Right. 
Like all of all of the things that are being yelled at Ron at the Miami convention, all of the things that are being yelled on the university campus could very much be like just snapshots of Twitter today. Agreed. Well, and now that I think about it too, I think what Ron's trajectory was in terms of where he ended up being the most effective and heard, of course the university protests would not be that place. Right. I just, it, of course that didn't connect. He really wanted to go and he says it on the floor that this is really about the government mm-hmm. and wanted to go into the heart of that, that sitting in, and being disgruntled and, and having, you know, making a speech on a college campus is not where he wants to go. And that, that at the end of that scene, they're like, all right, we're going to get back on the floor again. Like it was mm-hmm. very much, and it felt like it was a, felt like a military moment. It was, it was an it operation. Was. And he was yeah. like, all right, we're yeah. doing this and you're doing that. And, you know, and, and here we go. It had, it had similar echoes to his, yeah, his taking of that village, you know, like all of the stuff from earlier in the film. There's also something about the reality of something and the mythology of something and whether or not, if the reality doesn't fit with what we want the mythology to be, then we'll just run with the mythology. It's the whole, like, man who shot Liberty Valance argument of, you know, print the legend, right? Because it's a more compelling narrative than the truth. The scene where Ron is giving the speech uh, before his hometown, mm-hmm. uh, where he's the grand marshal of the parade, and he's being introduced by this guy who has a very specific way of thinking about the world and understanding a soldier's place in it and understanding what a love for America looks like. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, it's Ron saying, I love America. I love this country. And he's getting arrested and he's getting thrown out of the convention floor. Mm-hmm. And it's like what he's trying to tell you is I love America. I am real. I have been hurt by the system recognize me but that's not the mythology that people want to hear Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's going to be rejected in honor of um someone hugging a flag you know someone like you know doing all of these your your lapel pin got your lapel pin on right if you can do something performative that feels like you love america great and if you do something that really shows how you're thinking about life in america then you're out Right. There there was a moment that came to mind when you said that when they were showing actual archival footage of the 72 convention. And there's that moment where all the, they're doing like this whole choreographed thing on the floor of the convention with flags. Like people are walking back and forth and they're, you know, like it, it, and it was and it's performative. Yeah. And he's like, no, I've actually been there and I've actually done this and I've stood up for this and defended this. And I I I have some issues. I have problems that need to be addressed because I do believe we can be better. Yeah. It's this return to hope. And I think we feel like we're very much in the valley for a large chunk of this movie. And then, and we, we, I I would have liked a little more up there, you know, but uh, I actually think it would have been really cool if they had ended it with, with Ron Kovic's actual address. Yeah. From the 76 convention. Classic going on 30 question that we forgot to do with the abyss. Oh, who is this movie for? Should we answer it for the abyss and for this movie since we forgot? Uh, sure. For the abyss, the abyss is for everyone. Enjoy. I think it is for everyone. <laughs> Enjoy everyone, everyone loves it. <laughs> all, all people, because we're bringing the world together through sea aliens. The abyss all is for everyone. everyone. 
Yes. This movie is a going on 30 classic answer. Oh, God. <laughs> Boomers. <laughs> Boomers. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Just a, just a smidge. But, uh, just can we talk about Oliver Stone just really quickly? Yeah, sure. He's a really good filmmaker. This is a well-made movie. He can it's, be. It's he long. Is, and he is another person who's a bit problematic. Yeah. It's long, but it's a well-made movie, I thought. I said he's like the Clint Eastwood of the left in that his ideas are so overt that they become preachy. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's definitely some dead horse around yeah. his movies for sure. Yeah. 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 And I yeah, and, and I like your contrast with Eastwood. And that contrast, I think, with Eastwood has become more apparent in the last decade. Right. And I guess I should say what Eastwood has become, because we're about yes. to run into some really good Eastwood movies. I know. <laughs> and it makes me, you know, oh, man. <laughs> what is your rating? What did, what did I give The Abyss? Oh, man, Betsy. Oh, I did. Hang on. You've got to keep up with these. I've got to start writing these down. You should just have them at the bottom of your notes every time. I know. I should put the abyss and then whatever you gave it. Hang on. 3.75. That's what I gave it? You went several, several, several numerals after the decimal point. Where are you? Oh, I'm at a 2.5. Oh, geez. (laughs) I know. Okay, well, then I'm feeling fine about my thing. Okay. I feel like in terms of cultural artifact that it is. I find it really interesting and compelling in the way okay. that it is. I do I do find parts of it that are overwrought. It is probably one of the better Tom Cruise performances of his career. So I have I do have a bit of a okay, I want to acknowledge that work. Okay. And and I also just Ron Kovic as an individual, I think maybe I'm a little clouded by the the biography aspect of this yeah. movie. It's long. It's long. it's long. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm even more of a 3.25. <laughs> it's just, it needed some editing. It needed okay. some editing. Okay, where are you? I'm a 2.5. 2.5. Not even a 2.75. No. Okay. okay so how are, are you there after all of the, some of the lovely things you said about this movie? Here are my notes for 2.5. I find this movie to be a tough hang. Cruise is great. But the material here feels off. Like it just doesn't quite match up all the times. Okay. Uh, It's way too long at the expense of understanding Kovic's narrative arc. Like I feel like I lose sight of where Kovic is in his journey. Because the thing just keeps going and going. Yeah, I would like, agree with you. And also the fact that we have actual we have holes in some of the parts that like, yeah, oh, I wish I'd really seen that in his yeah. transformation. There's feels like there's missing elements. And then I'm like, oh dear God, you can't add anything more to this movie. That means there's oh. stuff we gotta get rid of. Why did the Academy nominate this movie? I mean, is it simply because it's a war movie? Because it's a prestige cruise movie? Like what what's the appeal? There's no other war movies nominated, correct? Not this year. I'm always fascinated by the going to the mat that a director would have to have made to get a movie of this length released, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. particularly at this time. Um, I think I think the Academy likes it. I think the Academy likes it when an actor stretches. Yep. 
I think it's the Cruise Bravura you know, performance. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? What's what's Cruise's next film, Craig? Few Good Men. No, no, no. We got we got a little break before we get back into another military movie. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Cold Oof. trickle. So oh my god! It's like he goes back to the bread and butter after doing this one. You know, God bless. But I think um, I think that I think the Academy loves it when it, when an actor really pushes. We have we have no further to look than Joaquin Phoenix's Joker performance. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Where does this movie rank with 1990? So you got Born on the 4th of July in one hand and The Abyss in the other. Which one are you throwing on the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Abyss is number one so far. And then Watch July is number two for me. What about you? Uh, I have The Abyss ahead of this. Mm -hmm. uh, Ahead of Born on the 4th of July, yeah. Yeah. Um, I Mm -hmm. don't think The Abyss is going to be up here much longer. Because our next film is going to be Dead Poet Society, which I have not seen. Greg, ever? Okay, here's here's. You the, must you know, have watched clips of this in a youth group setting. You know what you said about Rain Man, where you're yes. like, "Do I just know the pop culture of this movie?" Yes. yes I yes. think I just know the pop culture okay. of Dead Poet Society. I'm pretty sure I've never watched the thing. If I have watched it, it's only been in, in clips. So we'll see. I'm I'm predisposed to think that I'll like it. So I'm go I'm going to Dead Poet Society with high hopes. But that'll be our movie next month. Betsy, I love I love it when we watch a movie that nobody's that one of us has watched. Yeah, I am too. Um, okay, cool. Betsy, thank you for going down the road, the old Mexican road of Born on the Fourth of July with me. Um, I did it with a glass of mezcal in my hand. <laughs> a little worm in it. Ew. Here we go. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> All right. Till next time.